We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, this is Jermaine O'Neal, and you're listening to Setting a Pace on paceoftalk.net. Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joining me is my co-host. He is the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the one and only Mike Focci. What's up, Focci? Always happy to be here, and don't you ever forget it. I am leading that Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club. But Alex, by the time they listen to this episode, will be seven days from the NBA draft. Rumors are flying all around. I couldn't be more excited. So I'm just hoping we get the Pacers and a little bit more of those rumors. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm excited as well, as you can probably tell from my intro here. One week away from the NBA draft. I I honestly thought it was the 27th for some reason. I was like, yeah, it can't be the 20th. That's too early. But then I'm like, wait a second. We usually do have it like right after the finals. I just can't believe it's about to be here. I did feel like in the past it used to be a little bit later in June, maybe like around like the 23rd or something. Right. So it's definitely it's definitely possible that they moved it up a little bit this year. But, hey, I'm not complaining one bit. No, no, no. It's a great start. They've even moved the time up, like we mentioned last week, for July. So they can be talking around, I think, 6 p.m. instead of wait until July 1st at midnight. So June 30th, I believe it is. They can start talking at 6 p.m., which is just great, which means we'll only have to wait 10 days. You'll have the press conference with who we draft or what trades we make during the draft time. So, yeah, this is an exciting time to be a Pacer fan. But right now the Pacers currently have the 18th pick in the 2019 NBA draft, and me and Fachi are going to go through our list of top five potential players the Pacers could take with that pick. Now, some might be a little bit of a reach. Some might be guys in that area that we've seen, and we just really don't know. I mean, I think that we've kind of seen different names thrown all over the place in different mock drafts. So this is definitely what they would call a crapshoot as far as who will be there at 18. So Fachi, number one on your big board, who is the number one target you want for the Pacers with that 18th pick? Uh Honestly, ESPN backed me up the other day, but I am falling in love with Kevin Porter Jr. I really am. I honestly think that is it didn't go as planned in college. He had the suspension. He was hurt. At times, might have looked a little bit disengaged. But this guy coming in was believed to be a top five talent. I think he's got great size at 6'6 as a two guard. I do think has the possibility of playing a three also. And just one of the more crafty scorers. Obviously, anytime you compare a guy to James Harden, I think that's a little bit too extreme. But <laughs> that sounds like the kind of guy that I'm interested in right there. So I do think the Pacers have always kind of had the, the type of organization to be able to 
Now, obviously, every now and then you get a Ron Artest situation, but I do think that they can provide a, a good situation for a player, and I think that Kevin Porter Jr. is a guy who had some growing up to do, and I think he can do it in Indiana. Have the Pacers really taken on any kind of prospects like that since Sean Williams? I, I don't think so, and that's that's part of why when I was thinking about it is it's time to go for the best talent possible instead of trying to go for a sure thing. When you're trying to get over the hump, you have to take a risk. I mean, it's a completely different situation, but Toronto took that risk on getting Kawhi. It was just a one-year deal. Every now and then, you need to take a risk, roll the dice, and get the best possible player. And I think at 18, this is a guy who wouldn't have been there if he wasn't suspended or hurt. So I think it would be a steal for the Pacers. That's an interesting one. I like Kevin Porter's game. I think that I'm still warming up to him as a prospect because of all the off-court issues. There are some concerns, and one of my biggest concerns would be is, hey, the Pacers just got done with one off-court problem, and that was Tyreek Evans. Do they want to take on another young player like this that will you know, have issues? I mean, yes, they can have a strong enough locker room, like Bobby Marks mentioned yesterday on the, on the draft show. Like This is a locker room that has a really good culture. They could really kind of take them under their wing. But, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. I don't know if I'd have a number one overall on my top board, but it's a it's an interesting thought there. And I do believe if there's, like, a player I would kind of compare him to, like, similar and where you have us drafting him at 18, it'd probably be Kelly Oubre. Okay. I kind of like get some Oubre vibes when I see him. Don't know why, but I do. Hey, Oubre's developed well over the last few years. I mean, when he went over to Phoenix, I mean, that he was really bringing the heat over there. Finished averaging like 17 points per game for them. So I think with Kevin Porter, it, it's a guy that we would need to contribute right away. But I feel good knowing that the talent is definitely there. A guy who, like I said, could have been potentially a top five pick coming into this year. If you get him at 18, honestly, I, I love the pick despite some potential red flags on character issues. Yeah, I'll get back with Kevin Porter a little bit later when we go into our high-risk, high-reward, so there's a little spoiler for you. But for me, my number one guy on my big board, Fachi, I've been talking about him for a while now, and I'm probably getting overkill with it, but it's P.J. Washington from Kentucky. I'm not really sure if he's going to be there at 18. I've seen some big boards that have him in the 18 to 25 range. I've seen some that have him in the 10 to 15 range. It really just depends on what teams want and what teams need. He's. Let me get some numbers here for you. I have some numbers up here on my phone. He is, uh, sorry, this is not really good for uh, uh, the podcast, but <laughs> he's six foot eight, two hundred thirty pounds. He's got a seven foot two wingspan. Uh, was a great scorer last year. Increased his three point percentage. If you read the article that I put uh, put up, by like seventeen percent, I believe it was something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe eighteen, nineteen. I can't remember. I think it was. I think it was nineteen. I think he went from twenty three to forty two percent from the three point line and. The Pacers really have talked about going after a stretch four. Um, they've also talked about what it's going to cost to bring Thaddeus Young back. I'm not all for going for guys that are a, a not necessarily a fit, but you know, uh, more more of a fit than it is pure talent. I just think this guy has got pure talent. I loved what he did in Kentucky. I mean, increasing that much, you know, your your shooting percentage that much from three in just one season. I know it's the college level, but, I mean, that's a huge, huge improvement. Shows the guys ready to put some work in. No, he might not be as physical down low. He's got he's got to work on some stuff. He's only 230 pounds, so I'd like him to get a little bit stronger, add some more muscle on his body. But I just think overall he'd be an awesome fit next to Miles Turner, especially since they can both spread the floor. And right now I would, I would probably rather play him off the bench next to Sabonis. And if you have a guy that can spread the floor with Sabonis, I think that's a huge asset. And he has the ability to score in the post, which is why I like him next to Miles, because we know Miles' back-to-the-basket game is not something he's strong at. Um, Washington is not a great back-to-the-basket score, don't get me wrong, but he does have potential there, uh, that, that lovely word around draft time potential. So, you know, just a guy that I've really been high on. I like him a little bit more than Grant Williams because I think his upside's higher than Grant Williams, but... That's that's why I like Washington. Do you like Washington at all? I love PJ Washington. Uh, I wanted to be known that Kevin Porter is my like my gut, my love for this draft. But I do think that PJ Washington could be more of that sure thing. I thought that no one really benefited more from coming back for their sophomore year than PJ Washington uh, coming into last year. I remember when there was a debate if he was going to come out. 
you know, he wasn't really looking at being drafted that high. Now you're talking about this guy could be a lotto pick for sure. And when he got hurt, Kentucky was sweating bullets because that man can produce. And when he came in, even having hurt his foot, he dominated. I remember him dropping over 20, and I was like, you would have never even known that he was hurt. So I think that P.J. Washington is a for sure great talent. I hope that he will be there when the Pacers are picking, and I would love that pick. Obviously, we don't know if Thad's going to come back. Uh, we don't know how it's going to work out with um, you know Sabonis and Miles Turner playing together. So P.J. Washington could be a, a great fit for the Pacers for years to come. Automatic upgrade over T.J. Leaf, right? Oh, my God, for sure. Honestly, <laughs> it sounds crazy, but I felt that TJ Leaf's stats were too good in college for him to be real good on the next level. Like, his shooting percentages were just absurd. I think it was, like, 56% overall, like, 45% from three. Like, it just made me feel like, oh, come on, this guy is not going to be able to do that in the NBA. PJ Washington looks like an NBA player for sure. Yeah, I think we have to say Lonzo Ball did kind of help make TJ Leaf get drafted. I mean, there's no doubt mm-hmm. about it. So, yeah, TJ Leaf, I think that the time is coming up on him, whether he's dealt this year, whether it's his last season. I don't expect him to be around much longer. He might play in the rotation this year, depending on what the Pacers do in free agency and the draft. But, honestly, I mean, if if Washington's there, I mean, Unless somebody really falls, I think he's got to be the pick there. So let's move on. Number two, who's number two on your big board right now? Honestly, I got a guy that I'm infatuated with, Romeo Langford. I feel like how could you not just buy into the hype over there? I mean, this guy was looking like to be a for sure top 10 pick coming into the year. I I don't think things went as planned at all. I mean, you you had the injury to the shooting hand. I mean, when that happens, who's still going to be as good of a shooter as as they should be? While he may never be like a knockdown three-point shooter, the talent is there. I mean, I think he has all the traits to be a really good NBA player, hopefully obviously developing a strong two-way player. I think it's 6'6", shooting guard. Obviously, there's the tie to Indiana, which is just like a bonus that all the fans would love. I think that would even sell a lot of tickets, but we're not here to sell tickets. We're here to win, and I think that that's the kind of guy where it might not be exactly next year, but he is going to be good in the NBA, and what better spot than with us? I think that that's a guy where if he falls to 18, I love the pick. He might not fall there, but the injury is just enough for him to slip out a lot of. Yeah, I have him as number two on my board as well. I don't think that he will get there to 18. I can't see mm-hmm. it happening. Um, I think if he's available, you really have to look at it. He's six foot six, 215 pounds, has a 6'11 wingspan. You know, he's only 19 years old, too. And like we mentioned, throughout his high school career, he was just game winner after game winner, didn't fear the moment. And then in Indiana, Honestly, I didn't really like the way that they used him in the offense. I thought that was a lot to do with the poor coaching of Archie Miller last season offensively. Archie's known for his defense. So, yes, I do think that Romeo has more of an NBA-type game. He's an isolation scorer, something the Pacers could really use off the bench, especially with Aaron Holiday, because I think Aaron Holiday does a great job playing off the ball just as much as he does playing on the ball. And if you have him in the backcourt paired with you know, Holiday and Langford. I think that's a great duo, young duo that you could groom together. And, you know, I'd be interested to see him play some point next to Oladipo once he's, you know, once he's healthy and once he's got himself getting a feel for the game. And ultimately, he could be a trade piece. I know that sounds a little bit wild, but, you know, he kind of gives me some OJ Mayo vibes uh, to his game. I think he's got that ability. Might not be as good of a shooter as OJ, but. He's got a really good mid-range shot. He only likes to go right, and he's got to work on that left hand. But he's a great finisher. I watched him all year long at IU. I'm a huge IU guy. So, yeah, I love Romeo Langford, but I'm not going to sit here and be you know, upset one way or the other. So let's move on. Number three, who you got? Well, uh, another guy who I'm just – well, I would say I had P.J. Washington over in that two or three. He was he's someone I'm very high on. So I got Romeo in my like three spot. But another guy that uh, I, I just don't know and I'm so on the fence about is Tyler Hero. I just okay. don't Talk to know. Talk a little bit. Uh, uh, so, okay, so look at, look at this. You know, 6'6 six, six shooting guard. Uh, numbers are not going to blow you away. 
13 points per game, four and a half rebounds. Shot the ball better at threes at times. Didn't didn't shoot over 40%. It was like 35 and a half. But a guy who could be kind of similar is Devin Booker. Devin Booker, his freshman year, only averaged 10 points per game. He did shoot the three ball better. He was about at 40%. But in Kentucky's offense, it doesn't always kind of highlight one specific player. So I do think that Tyler Hero could end up being a great knockdown shooter. Uh, I do think that he's got a lot of offensive upside. You know, good, good size. He could be kind of what we were hoping, like a Doug McDermott would have been, as just a guy who could really, you could set up. He's a great spot up shooter. Also, just lights out free throw shooter. I think he missed six free throws on the whole entire year. Um, he's just a player who I think can develop into a playmaker as time goes on. And at 18, if he's there, I think it's great value. Would you consider him a younger, cheaper version of JJ Redick? I, 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 yeah, JJ Redick, since he stayed four years, it's hard because, like, my memory of JJ Redick in college is like putting up like 28 points per game his senior year. If Tyler Hero did stay a few years, I definitely see him being a guy who would be averaging like 25 points per game his junior year. So uh, I, I think that this is a guy who is going to develop. Now, we need that next three point sniper. We, we need that guy. I mean, you saw how valuable even like a, a Landry Shamet was this year, you know, shooting over 40%. I think Tyler Hero is way more of a playmaker than Landry Shamet. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Tyler Hero. He's not on my, my top five. And so since you're at number four, I'll kind of go back, talk about a guy that we haven't talked about yet, and that's Grant Williams. I don't know how high you are on Grant Williams or not. Some of the mock drafts have him going later. Some of them have him going to the second round. I've seen some. I think the ringer had him going 13th to the Miami Heat. To me, he is just a player that is instantly ready. Uh, one of the things the ringer said that his main selling point is he's a, he has glue guy skills. And what have we been calling Thaddeus Young all season long? The glue guy. He is the glue guy. Right, and I mean, he's a junior, he's a little bit older, I think the Pacers like players that are a little bit older, they've got to see them develop, they kind of see their work ethic, you know, doesn't have a huge wingspan, he's only got a 6'9 wingspan, he's 6'7", but he's 240 pounds, you know, he's just, to me, he's got a low post game, he can shoot from the outside, he's just kind of well-rounded, I think really it's it's like comparing apples and oranges when you're comparing him and P.J. Washington uh, looking at their games. I would personally say that Williams is probably better right now than Washington, but I like Washington's upside for the future, so that's why I valued Washington over Grant Williams. But either way, like these two guys are so good. I think they're plug-and-play guys right away. Some might say that Washington needs more time to develop, but I think the best development for him is getting reps in the NBA, going up against competition. And I think that we could – I mean, what, what drives me crazy is I think a lot of people are down on this year's talent. Well, I think this draft is really loaded with talent. I don't think they're, like, superstar-level players, but they're all really good – they're all good players that can contribute. So that's why I, I like Grant Williams a lot, and he's somebody from Tennessee that I would take, uh, especially if he's there at 18. If it's between him and Washington, like I said, I'd pick Washington. But if he's on the board – Sign me up for Grant Williams because the Pacers need a bully, and I think he reminds me of a young David West. I think that this draft is loaded with those the the talent in the teens over there, like those like anywhere from like ten to twenty five. I feel like there's so many guys that are interchangeable that could all contribute. Uh, I think from a star player standpoint, ah, I don't know. You know, there, there's a couple couple guys that obviously jump out, but I don't think that this is going to be one of those 2003 NBA drafts where you have like the LeBrons, the Mellows, the Dwayne Wades. But yeah, no, I, I'm I'm definitely a, a big fan of, of his. Um, a, a guy that I'm kind of interested in. There's two guys for my last one. How do you now, have? How do you have two for your top for your top five? How do you have five guys or six guys? Well, first of all, I already gave you five. PJ Washington was one of mine. And then I threw in Tyler Hero as my fifth. So but to give you Who another one. Who else do you one, have? You only gave me four. Uh, you gave me Romeo, Kevin Porter, Romeo, Kevin, Kevin Porter, Porter, PJ Washington, and Tyler Hero. So that'd be four. So then I'm giving you these. This would be my next two as my last. So this would bring me to five or six. So <laughs> yeah, I'm so lost. Just just who's next on your board? <laughs> okay, it, it, it's split. It's split because one of them, this guy, is kind of ancient. But he might be ready to contribute right away. That's Cameron Johnson. 
Uh, Cameron Johnson was a guy who he's a senior this year, but he's also a fifth-year senior. So that's the thing. How much better is he going to get? But I love his measurements. 6'9", small forward, knockdown three-point shooter. Shot almost 46% from three, shot over 50% overall. Um, there's also a lot of talent on, on on that North Carolina team. So I just figured, you know, that that is impressive. Uh, but I'm wondering how much better can he get? All my ACC other, uh, first team. All ACC yeah. first team, which is no, a big that's, deal. That's, that's, that's a is, big conference. Is. Oh, for sure. There, there is a lot of talent, especially when, you know, you're going with Duke having Zion and R.J. Barrett and, and guys like that. I mean, there's Ant so Reddish. much talent. Yeah, exactly. Um, my other one, since I have to just throw it in there, is just actually, you know what? I'll save it for later on. So I'm going to go with Cameron Johnson as my fifth. Okay, I have Cameron Johnson as, as my fifth as well. One guy that I don't really want to talk too much about. Uh, he's the best three-point shooter percentage-wise in this year's draft. I know there's been some, I think Dylan Windler is another guy people have really liked as a shooter as well. You mentioned Tyler Hero. Cameron Johnson doesn't have a great wingspan. He's six foot eight uh, and a half, so close to 6'9". He's only 205 pounds, so he's as skinny as can be. He's going to have to add a ton of muscle. Um, he's not a great defender. He's a good help side defender, not a good on-ball defender. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Doug McDermott. I think McDermott's mm-hmm. probably a better scorer, better cutter, but I yes. think Cam- Cameron Johnson you know, has the ability to do it. So it's one of those things, you kind of already have this player. Is he really worth taking? I mean, I think that it's a, you can consider it because you can't have too much shooting on your team, right? Mm-hmm. But ultimately, like he's number five on my, on my big board because I just yeah. feel like he makes sense. He's 23. He's a plug-and-play guy. You know, I, just, I just like that he could possibly be there and he's a lot cheaper than McDermott. That's a big thing. You know, McDermott's going to be making $7.3 million next year. If you want to move on from McDermott, I think this is a great guy to fill that void. And so my last one, I wrote an article about him. It's Nikhil Alexander Walker, uh, cousins with Shea Gilders Alexander. He's, um, six foot five and a half. He has a six foot nine and a half wingspan, 204 pounds. He has, good size and he has good playmaking this year he was kind of forced into virginia tech's you know scoring role he averaged 16.2 points a game had an effective field goal percentage of 54.6 averaged four rebounds and four assists i mean he's just a well-rounded player that i think has a lot of potential if you like the way uh sga played last year for the clippers i think that alexander walker could be that kind of player as well and one thing i mentioned with romeo is his on-ball ability to be a playmaker, letting Holiday play off the ball some. I think those two in the backcourt could be really fun. He's he's just a guy that I'm a little nervous about because I don't know exactly what he'll be in the NBA. He could be a guy that gets kind of washed out of the league rather quickly, especially with the Pacers. But one thing we need to talk about if we do add a wing player, Edmund Sumner is still on this roster. Edmund Sumner looked really good in that last game against the Hawks. There's a rumor that just came out recently that he's – putting on a bunch of muscle. Sumner is going to be fighting some people for that position as that backup shooting guard. And I think the Pacers are really high on him. I mean, in that year's draft, if he's not injured, he is a first-round pick. There's no doubt about it. He was a huge part of Xavier's success that year that he was on that, that he went into the NBA. So Sumner is going to be coming for these guys, and I think Sumner is probably a better version, uh, you know, a better player than Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So it would really just depend on what the Pacers decide to do with their players. And, you know, I like Alexander Walker. I think he's got potential, but I think you'd have to kind of wait in the wings to see what the Pacers do with their roster, uh, especially with Sumner there. What are your thoughts? Uh, for Nikhil, I'm I'm just not too high on him, probably just because I don't like Virginia Tech's offense. I just figured I just don't like their style of play that much where I agree with what you're saying. I really don't know if he would be a player that can really cement himself long-term. Obviously, Anyone can when you're projected to be a first-round pick, but it just—I don't feel that there is such a high upside. I figured, you know, I'm looking at his numbers right now: 16 points per game last year, shot 47 percent, 37 percent from three. So there's a lot of intangibles there, but good numbers. It is, it is. I'm Edmund Sumner over him any day, though. I, I do like what we have with Sumner to the point where I am looking for. Some of that that small forward help over there. I would love that PJ Washington at the four. Like I'm looking for more of that. I I want to give Sumner more more playing time, and I think that this year is the year where if we strike out on free agents, he he's the perfect cheap option to be bringing back at like 1.5 million dollars. So 
Uh, Nikhil, hey, you know him better than I because I, I know you did the article on that that I read, so I thought that was a, a great introduction to him. But, you know, if he fell to 18, hey, I wouldn't complain about it. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things, like I said earlier in the in the podcast, it's kind of a crapshoot. I mean, I don't know what these guys are going to be. It's really hard to tell because oh yeah, Buzz Williams, I mean, he's a great NCAA coach for Virginia Tech. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they mm-hmm. took Duke down to the wire, could have beaten him, you know. He's got that kind of talent, but did they they played Duke, right? Yeah, I think they did. They did. They did. Yeah, yeah. Very okay. close game. It was yeah, like a one-point right. game right. or two-point game. Where they missed a tip, and I think... Yeah, because I was getting I was getting them confused with UCF. I know UCF played them as well. So anyway, you know Virginia Tech was a good team in the ACC. They were competitive all year long. Just somebody I like. I mean, he's got defensive intangibles as well. I just one of those things I would like to see him, you know, do well. And I think he's just kind of one of those guys I became a fan of watching him in college. I think that wherever he goes, he'll be a contributor. Now, at what level, I'm not sure, but most likely a bench player. Not much more than that. But anyway, let's kind of move on here and close this segment up by talking about some high-risk, high-reward, and low-risk, high-reward players that that could be available. So who are some high-risk, high-reward players that you wanted to bring up? Bowl, bowl. I almost brought him up before. Center is not a need for us right now, but if this guy is available at 18, uh, it's very hard to pass him up, especially when you still might be entertaining trading one of Sabonis or Miles Turner. He only played nine games this year, so it, it, it is a crapshoot. But if this man played a full season, he's a guaranteed lotto pick, maybe even a top 10 pick. We're talking about a guy who's 7'2". You know, obviously, his dad was in the NBA at 7'7". Bull Bull is way better of an NBA player than I think his dad will be if he can stay healthy. The Way more athletic. This guy was knocking down threes. Freshman year in the, in the nine games, 21 points per game, 9.6 rebounds per game. I believe he was shooting 52% from three. Super talented. Obviously, he needs to put on muscle. Don't know if that'll ever happen based on his dad's frame. And there could be injury problems. Yeah. But if you are going to go for the best available player at that spot, it would be very hard to pass up Bull Bull, even though center is not a need for us. Yeah, I I like Bull Bull. He's on my list for high risk, high reward. Another guy that I don't think will fall, but it would not shock me is Nasir Little. This is the guy mm-hmm. from UNC that was supposed to be their number one target, and he was going to come in there and take that small forward position. But Cam Johnson came back for his fifth year as a senior, like you mentioned, and was on the ACC, you know, first team. So Nasir Little never really had a great season with UNC. That might kind of deter some GMs from wanting to take a risk on him. I'm not really sure what to expect, but I do like his game. Uh, let me pull up some stats here that I have from him. I've got so many up here. That's ridiculous. But, yeah, so he's got defensive upside. He's six foot six with a seven foot one wingspan, 224 pounds, 19 years old. I mean, this is a high-risk, high-reward. I mean, we, he could be a complete bust, but I do think that there are some potential, you know, traits here that would be really nice addition to the Pacers. I know that. Kevin O'Connor mentioned that he kind of reminds him a little bit of Andre Iguodala. So if you could kind of have someone with that kind of skill set on this Pacers team, oh, that is a huge asset. So I like Nasir Little. Um, Another guy that I like, I'm just going to throw it out here real quick. You talked about him earlier, Kevin Porter. I think he's more high-risk, high-reward than he is somebody I want to take with my, you know, in my top three. If he's there and you really like his upside, I mean, I don't know what the Pacers are thinking, but you mentioned it. He's got all the intangibles you want as a player, but... I'm just a little bit nervous about his character and how that, you know, translates to the NBA and being a part of this organization. Oh, he's the definition of high risk, high reward. So it's like he would definitely classify as mine as well, but I, I don't know. Something's happened. Alex, I've fallen in love with that pick. And <laughs> and if it happens, I can honestly say that we finally got my guy for once. Usually doesn't tend to work out that way. But a guy that the Pacers just had a one on one workout with. Lucas Samanich, um, uh, coming into the year, he was projected to be potentially a lotto pick, uh, definitely middle of the first round, kind of fell back a little bit, but a, a one-on-one workout with the Pacers, they have to be having interest in him. Now, at 18, it's too early, but if we can make a move, I know that you proposed a certain move on Twitter today, who knows? I think Samanich is that high risk, high reward, because I don't really know what we're going to get. But he was knocking down threes. Uh, I think that he's got some great handles. 
and could develop to be a defender. Not saying it's going to be year one, but I do think that Samanich is someone who the talent's there if you can get it out of him. Yeah, I'll have to do some more research on him. I don't really know anything about him, to be honest with you. He's not on my radar, but that doesn't mean anything because we just have to figure out. <laughs> There's so many prospects, it's hard to get to know oh, them yeah, all. Right? Sure. So we'll get into the trade stuff a little bit later in the podcast, but uh, another guy on my list, I went with two guys that are projected in the second round. Number one, I'll just do this real quick, is Taco Fall. I get it. Dude's like seven foot five, whatever. I forget how tall he is, but he's a mammoth dude. And we saw what he did. He's really slow on his feet. There's injury concerns. He can't shoot the ball worth a lick. But I would rather the Pacers go out and get a third-string center like this late in the second round than spend their mid-level exception on a Kyle O'Quinn type player, especially if you're going to keep Sabonis and Turner. You know, use that money wisely and go get somebody else that can help you at the power forward position or the wing position because I don't want to invest a good amount of change in a third-string center again like we did last year. Not that it was the worst mm-hmm. thing because I think Kyle O'Quinn was a good locker room guy and we did lose Al yep. Jefferson. I just want something that's a little bit, you know, more playable with that mid-level exception. And then the other guy, this is somebody I really think that isn't being talked about enough, is Jonte Porter. So the reason I wrote high risk, high reward here is because he's had two ACL injuries. And this is something that, you, he, yeah, he's torn his right ACL twice uh, in six months. So, Yes, that is really, really high risk because of injury problems. Uh, I'm not sure if it's his brother or his cousin. I probably sound stupid saying that, but Michael Porter. Brother. That is, that's, that's what I thought. That was his brother. Yep. So, yeah, he, he had injury issues, missed all of last season, but Denver took him with that 14th pick, and they're expecting great things from him next season. So, Porter, if you do end up trading Sabonis or Turner or try to get a point guard or something, give it a little bit of time. I think he could be a great backup center. And possibly could be a starting center if he's drafted to the right team in the, in a couple of years. I mean, he just has that much talent. But ultimately, you know, it's a high risk, high reward. So that's why I would I would like to see him on the Pacers, but I don't think it'll happen. Uh, a little bit of a uh, only in the second round, only in the second round. But someone yes. who is a high risk, potentially high reward. One guy that I had is uh, Dylan Windler. All right, he's from Belmont. He's a yeah. shooting guard. He's 6'8", love the size, and this dude potentially could be the best shooter in the draft. Yes, between him and Cam Johnson right now. He is a lights-out shooter who also averaged almost 11 rebounds in college. I get it. You're at Belmont. But if we're talking second round, I mean, this guy could actually be the shooter that we're looking for that's real cheap that can just just knock down some threes. I mean, I think that the frustration for of what we got out of McDermott last year just has everybody saying, come on, we need a knockdown three-point shooter. And he could be that guy. And I want to have the expectation set that, hey, maybe he doesn't work out at all, but the, the high reward is there at, at the back end. I don't think he's going to be in the first round. I think he's going to be an early second-round pick, could be around that like 35th overall mark. So I would be curious to see if the Pacers would make a move over there. And I do also have a couple players that I am interested in if the Pacers do um, make another move to trade back. Would you like to uh, jump well, into that at all? Let's let's wait a few minutes. We're not ready for that yet because we've still got to talk about some of our low-risk guys. I don't know if you have any low-risk guys on yours. But if you don't, I can just run through mine if you don't have any. I got one. Okay, I'll go through a couple then I'll let you uh, give yours. So uh, Matisse Thibel, great defender. Somebody that I said low risk, high reward for because he's he's not going to be in the top 20. He's going to probably fall out after that. So like we mentioned, if we do trade back, it's somebody you could look at. But you know that you're getting a lockdown defender. No matter what he does in the NBA, whether he forms a offensive game or not, you know he's going to be a defender. So you don't have to worry about him contributing to your team in the area that he is most successful at. Uh, another guy I put on there is Tyler Hero. You mentioned him in your top five. This is somebody that I think will be a contributor no matter what team he goes to. He reminds me of Landry Shamit as well. Someone that can just come in right away and just be a be a scorer off the bench. He's got a beautiful shot. I think that he's got a lot of potential. Another one, this is kind of like a mid-risk uh, high reward. It's uh, Talon Horton Tucker. He's like six foot four, but, but like has a seven foot wingspan. He's like a little pit bull that can just reach across the lane. Like it's just such a weird player. I mean, I know Tony East is pretty high on him as well, 
Not really sure how I feel about him, but I do think that he has some potential. Uh, he only averaged 11.8 points last year. Um, he's he's 18.5. He just got raw talent, and I'm, he went to Iowa State as well. So, you know, we know how that works out with Iowa State players. They're hit or miss, usually miss. So, just one of those things where I'm kind of interested, but I think that just the upside there with the seven foot wingspan is something that I I do enjoy. Uh, who was the one that you had on your list? Uh, it was actually a guy that you're pretty high on. And that's Grant Williams. I think that Grant Williams is a low risk guy. Where uh, I think that you're you're dealing with the two time SEC Player of the Year. He's got the experience. I mean, average eighteen point eight and seven and a half boards last year. Really good percentages. You know, he's a six seven six eight power forward. It's it's not going to blow you away, but I just think that you're going to get more of a, a sure thing, more of a physical player that I do think could could at at the least be a consistent rotational player that at 18 sometimes that's just what you're looking for i mean i believe to go back to tj leaf i think leaf was the 18th pick and it's been very hard to get him in the rotation at all so i think that this is a guy who we know that we could use and i don't think that he would be a bust at all so he's my low risk you know could could be a could be a high reward over there, but in terms of what you mentioned of Tyler Hero, oh man, I, I think that the, there's definitely a high high reward there. At worst, he's just a, a pretty good you know shooter. So yeah, all right. Now the last thing we have to do before this segment's over is just talk about players that we want to avoid at all costs. We don't want the Pacers to draft them. Um, if you want me to go first, I can do that. If you want to go first, I'll let you do that. You pick. I'm going to go first because I kept my mouth shut before, but there's two guys that I want nothing to do with, and it is the two guys that you just named. Matisse Thibault right there. Uh, you know, he, he's a, he was a senior uh, just now, and I, I just didn't think that he got better at all other than on the defensive end. He's a very good defender. Yeah, that's but, all he is. Uh, he's like Tony I Allen. know he is. Yeah, he is, but I've seen on some mock drafts with him going in the top 20. So if he's if he's going to be picked at 18, I'm not going to like the pick because the Pacers, they've always done one thing consistently. It's play defense for a while. That's what they've been doing. Come on, I want more of that, the talent. I want the higher upside. And for his upside, I don't know. I think that this could be a guy that it could take a couple of years for him to really be getting meaningful minutes uh, on a basis where, I mean, do you, could you envision him as a starter for us? I, I can't. It just depends. I mean, he kind of gives me some Tory Craig vibes from Denver. Yeah, and I do know that you do have a thing for Tory Craig. So I wouldn't say that, a thing. I would say that I think he's a very capable player. Okay. And then for uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, I'm a huge Big 12 guy being a West Virginia University grad. Uh, that's what I always focus on most. And I just don't think that he would be ready. Yeah, and that's fine. Obviously, a lot of these guys are freshmen, but only being 6'4", also being a small forward worries me because there's a lot of point guards that are now 6'4". Oh, it's positionless basketball. Who cares? It is, but even if you're a shooting guard now, it's like 6'4". It's like, okay, sure, that's not horrible at all. He's got a 7'1 means- wingspan. Yeah, he does, but, but what exactly is he, though? What is he exactly? He is a basketball uh, player. That's what yes, he is. Yes, it's that, positionless basketball he, in the NBA right now. Come on, Potch. Yeah, it is, but he's just – that's not someone who's who's uh, I'm infatuated with at all. I, I watched his games more than I watched some of the other prospects that I named before, and I'm just – I'm not too in love with the pick. I'd prefer to avoid it uh, before I go on. with. And, and lastly, Jonte Porter, while you had him as a high-risk player – the ACLs, they'd terrify me. Um, the, the two of yeah, them. Yeah, but I think that's more second round. I would I would risk a second well, round ACL type pick, similar it, to Ikeani Bogu with the knee injury. It's it's definitely uh, it's definitely worth the risk. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, Harry Giles. Harry Giles is a player oh, yeah. that came with all the talent. The Kings used a first round pick on him, which I thought was bold. He missed all of his rookie year. Maybe he developed because he used to be the, the number one overall recruit. But Jonte Porter, I mean, he even reclassified. So he jumped into college a year early. So he's still young, and, and, and it could work out. If you can get him in the second round, okay, I like it. But I would anticipate that he misses all of this year coming up. Yeah, so would you avoid him, or is he low-risk, high-reward? Uh, he's not going to be there. He's, he's, I think there's the high risk. Yeah, it's a high what risk I was saying. For sure. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm just going to I'm gonna avoid it all overall. Yeah, so two guys that have worked out with the Pacers – that have been highlighted in 
like separate articles by themselves, and it terrifies me to death. Number one, Admiral Schofield. I think this guy is a complete overrated bust. I uh, don't get good vibes from him when I watch him play. I don't think he's that good of a basketball player. He looks really he looks more the part than he actually is. Really buff, really athletic, but I just don't love his game. Uh, I'm not even sure how to uh, correctly pronounce this. He's from Croatia. It's Ignis Brazdikis from Michigan. Come on. Most Michigan guys in the NBA today are just mediocre at best. John Beanline, an excellent coach, gets the best out of his talent. I mean, Ignis literally did not hardly do anything this year. He averaged 14 points a game. You know, he's six foot seven with a six foot nine wingspan. He's a hard no scoring wing, according to Kevin uh, Kevin O'Connor here. He plays hard on defense. He's uh, he's limited athletically. I mean, I don't really know. I'm just not a huge fan of him. I just don't buy into the hype. And then the one guy that I'm really getting tired of seeing attached to the Pacers at number eighteen is Ruby Hachimura. I oh my gosh, I think that this guy is okay. But <laughs> I just don't want to see it. Like I would almost give the same reaction like I gave to TJ Leaf if Rui Hachimura is drafted to the Pacers at 18. So with this being said, in the first round, the Pacers are taking Rui Hachimura. In the second round, they're going to be taking Admiral Schofield just because it'll make me absolutely want to puke. And that's just, this is what's going to happen. I just have a gut feeling Rui Hachimura is going to end up being our pick, and we're going to pass up on a Grant Williams, and we're going to pass up on a guy like P.J. Washington. Watch. It's going to happen. This is what the Pacers do. Yeah, I, I I just first of all, Admiral is a very cool first name, but other oh, than great that, name. he's got Admiral he's got Smith nothing is else. The best name. It, it really and, is between him and Taco Fall. I mean, it, yes, yes, exactly. That is a strong name right there. But I have no interest in the player at all. And Ignas, why is he coming out of Michigan right now? He was just a freshman. Like he showed some promise, but you're going to be a late second round pick. And I felt like that's someone who really could have benefited from coming back. I'm not interested in, in that pick at Me all. Uh, and just, uh, I don't know, just depending on where he could fall, Brandon Clark from Gonzaga is someone who I'm not I'm not Ooh, really interested in. I disagree a thousand percent. I love Brandon uh, Clark. Well, at where? Where 18. do you love Brandon if Clark? He's at, there 18? at 18? If he's there at 18, I take him. He is a great player. Go watch him play a little bit more. Yeah, I, I can watch him, but he's more of, I feel like, a really good shot blocker, uh, good field goal percentage on the inside. But, like, I mean, we already have a shot blocker. We already have guys that are good inside right now. I, I just think that he could be good, but I'm just not – It's not. he's not doing it for me. He's not. He's a junior already. How much better are you going to continuously get? Now we don't have to always draft freshmen or anything like that, but I want to know if you are a junior that you absolutely dominated and I just don't – I didn't get that feel from him. Yeah. Also, he only did one year at Gonzaga. He's he's older than we think. So he's actually one of the oldest players in this draft because he was originally at San Jose State. Gotcha. So he, he's been around. Yeah. Interesting. I like Brandon Clark. I know a lot of people in NBA Twitter like Brandon Clark. So it's interesting to hear you say that you're not a fan. I think that he would be an immediate contributor, but that's just me. So, all right. I know you're ready for it. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we will talk about the trade that I threw out on Twitter. All right. That was about three seconds there. We got a nice little break in. We are here to reset and talk about a trade that I threw out on Twitter where I said, if I'm the Pacers and I have the 18th pick, I would look to see if there's a way we could get in talks with Boston to acquire picks number 20 and 22. I even then said, if they're not willing to give up both those picks, I would consider looking at Brooklyn's 27 and 31. And Fachi immediately replied, love the Boston deal, hate the Brooklyn deal. Go ahead and elaborate. Uh, As I mentioned before, I think this draft is really good from like the the 10 to like 25. And that's not to say that the top 10 is bad. There's definitely talent there. But I think there's a lot of guys that can contribute and be rotational players for sure, pretty much immediately in in that zone of ten to twenty five, um, the eighteenth pick, you know, it's never it's never a guarantee. And if the Pacers do happen to hit a home run in free agency, which we do know does not happen, say they did sign someone to a max deal, and we and we do re-sign Boyan, we're gonna need to fill out the roster. And I think that if you trade the eighteenth for the twentieth and the twenty second, I mean, what if you did happen to land? like a Cameron Johnson and Bull Bull 
I mean, those are two players that I would feel strong with that the Pacers are going to be able to move forward. Or a guy, if there was, like, there's other guys like a Keldon Johnson I think is going to be good that I think is going to be more at that 22 range or, or even 20. I think that there's a way to be able to get a shooting guard and a small forward and assured depth on this team where the 18th picture, it could be a good player, but it's more of the expectations are you got to nail that where a 20 and 22, I mean, we could, we could have just a, a deeper team. Yeah. I mean, I, and that's kind of why I mentioned it is because if you look at that 20 and 22nd pick, you're helping yourself get a little bit more talented and a little bit with more youth and you're getting cheaper contracts, especially considering some of the free agents that you're going to go after. Let's just say, for example, we'll just throw it out there. Say you get Kemba Walker at 32.7, you bring back Thad, and you bring back Bojan. That's your starting five. Basically, from last year, you just replaced Kemba with Collison. Now you're limited on what you can do. And if you have two draft picks, whether it be a Grant Williams, whether it be a Cam Johnson, whomever it may be, if you have those two guys available to take, now you can kind of fill your roster out without having to go out and you know, go really deep into the luxury tax and you don't have to use all your mid-level exceptions for players and you don't feel as limited as what you can do. You might be able to make a trade or two with a TJ Leaf or a guy like Doug McDermott or if you get these two picks and there's a somebody that they want. If there's a team that wants one of the players you drafted, you could trade that draft as well, that draft pick as well. Now, the reason I'm okay with 27 and 31, I will explain this to you so you can kind of understand my logic. We mentioned this. There's a lot of guys that are all over the board. And if somebody that the Pacers value at 18, you know, is available in the 20s, you know, you might consider trading back, especially if Brooklyn's like, we'll give you 31 as well. And we just mentioned salary reasons for doing this. A second round pick is much cheaper than a first round pick. And if you can get that kind of a second round contract, similar to a Jalen Brunson last year who was a really nice player for the Dallas Mavericks. If you can get somebody like that on your team, why not just trade back? It's the first pick in the second round. 31st is a beautiful pick. Why not go for it? Oh, there's definitely going to be talent at 31. I think that there's a lot of talent in the top like 35 picks of this draft. I mean, I, that guy that I mentioned before, Lucas Monich, who the Pacers worked out one-on-one, uh, for a solo workout, I mean, he could even be there at the top of the second round. He's going anywhere from like, I've seen a lot of mock drafts, like 25 to 35, so he, he's trying to rise. But, I mean, I mean, there's guys like I'm just throwing it out there, not that it'll happen, but obviously a, a Carson Edwards could be a guy who's going at the top of the second round. So it depends where you trade back. Um, I, I wouldn't hate that deal, but this is the kind of year where I would like two late first-round picks or anything of, of the sort of that. I mean, the Hawks are a team that's just – you know they have like six picks in this draft unfortunately three of them are in the top 17 so i don't know if we would really be a team that they would be wanting to deal with but i am all for looking to trade that pick in any way possible whether you're moving up moving down and and trading for a player i think that that nothing should be off the table in regards to that pick so let's just kind of play a little hypothetical here if there's a player that you like in your top four top five that slides down to number eight and the Hawks, you know they have 8, 10, 17 plus multiple second round draft picks. If there's a guy that you really value and you think that he won't be there at your pick around 18 and he's available at 8, what are you offering to Atlanta to jump up? Well, I mean, obviously the 18th pick is 100% involved. I just think it's going to be tough in regards to our assets because we have so many free agents that obviously, you know, you got to be looking at, I feel like Sabonis is the, the, the player that would be involved. I mean, it's, I don't know, uh, it's obvious, it would come down to either Sabonis and the 18th pick, or you're looking at then dealing multiple picks, because Miles Turner has to be on the table, I think, but with him being under contract, Sabonis, you know, maybe you could avoid a big payday, but you know how big of a fan I am of Sabonis to the point where it would be hard to part with him for an unknown commodity. Yeah, uh, we you know that's that's where I get shaky because I do think that Sabonis is about to have a really good year, and when you look at his previous stats across the board, it shows that he will have a really good year. Obviously, bearing any type of injury. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing because you don't really want to trade Holiday to the Hawks because mm-hmm. they've already got their point guard. 
So now yep. you're basically looking at, hey, would they take TJ Leaf in the 18th and maybe a future for next year for the the 8th or the 10th pick? You know, that's something you look at because I know you don't really want to get rid of Sabonis. I don't they, think they do it. Well, they have plenty of cap space. So if you're willing to take on a bad contract, so let's say that they – so let's say you trade 18 McDermott in a future for Kent Bazemore in the 8th or the 10th. That's something that could be talked about. You get They get off that huge Bazemore contract. They get McDermott in there who could help Kevin Herter become a better player. Um, I think that they get they don't want all these picks. What, I mean, what are they going to do with all of them? I mean, they're, they're obviously trying to make a move. There's no way they're going to draft three players and keep them all. This is just you need veterans on your locker in your locker room. You can't have this many young talent, this much young talent, especially if you you already are kind of set. They need a center, that's for sure. They definitely need a center. I think that Sabonis would be a nice fit next to John Collins in that starting five. I think Miles Turner would be a nice fit to him either. But I don't really think the Pacers are going to give up a Sabonis or a Turner for Agreed. a. I think if they if they traded Sabonis, it would have to be Sabonis. And they get eight and the ten back. They wouldn't settle for anything less than both eight and ten, or at least eight and seventeen. And they yeah, keep the eighteenth. I, I don't think that they're in the biggest rush to trade the Kent Bazemore contract because at this point, I believe there's only one year left on it. That's true, but it's less money. So if they want to go out there and make an offer at maybe a Tobias Harris or somebody like that, they feel like could fit their system, or they want to make a big trade. Because you got to factor in, they just took on Alan Crabb's contract, so True. I don't, I don't think that they're 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 sweating money right now. So I do think that they're in play to. I don't think they're going to keep all three of those top seventeen picks, but I do think that they might be in play with a team like Cleveland to potentially move up to five. Was so the I, I could, no, 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 the Hawks. The Hawks. Yeah. I could see them doing like the eighth and the seventeenth to move up to five, and yeah. I think for Cleveland, you know, that's a pretty good deal. Um, so I do think that if if the Hawks were interested in making a deal with us, Sabonis or Turner would have to be in the deal. Otherwise, they're hanging up the phone. Yeah, and I'm looking here. The other the only other team that really has two picks is San Antonio. They have 29 and 19. Would you consider trading the 18th and acquiring both those picks? If there's a guy oh, yeah. they want at 18, and San Antonio's like, hey, we want this guy, and we're like, no, we're going to take him. Or do you just not trust San Antonio ever again with the trade? <laughs> uh, I definitely never trust San Antonio, but if we slide back one pick and acquire another first-round pick, you got to sign me up for that all day. Yeah, it's just one of those things I've been looking at because I feel like the Pacers have mentioned that they would trade up or trade down. You know, it just depends on what Cleveland wants, too. I mean, you said at five, you know, would they want a center? Would they want someone like a Miles Turner? Would they want somebody like Sabonis? Where do you value Sabonis in regards to this top, the top five in this year's NBA draft? If you're putting Sabonis with this draft class, where would you put Sabonis as far as power rankings? I mean, it, it, I guess we're we're factoring him in Sabonis now, right, yes, and not now. like the prospect. Uh, I, w- I would definitely, I'd probably have him in like a, probably a top five. I would think so. I mean, Darius Garland only played like five games last year. So oh, yeah. it's like, you know, I, I think, I do think that RJ Barrett has all-star potential for years to come. I really okay. do think that he's really good. And I really do like what John Morant showed this year. I really, really do. Zion, I think he's going to be good, but I do not. I'm on record of saying I don't think he's going to be this transcendent LeBron James type player. I don't. I think he's a player that could be really good, but I would I would have to put Sabonis in that, that top five for sure. So, Obviously, the Zion hype alone is definitely worth being the number one overall pick. So we know the top three are going like you mentioned, so you'd keep those three and then put Sabonis at four? Yeah, I think I would just because Jared Culver, while a lot of people like him, I don't know if you remember. I think you might have been someone who was pretty high on him. His shooting percentages in the last few games of the tournament were miserable. They were. He he had a really rough Final Four, uh, like the Final Four game and the National Championship. The talent's there. It definitely is there. But I don't know. Those are two of the biggest games he's ever played in, and he did not deliver on that. I'd put Sabonis at probably four or five. I'd probably yeah. four. And then you have uh... – the kid from, I just lost his name. Uh, DeAndre Hunter? 
Yes, DeAndre. I was thinking Darius, and I was like, that's not right. I was like, that's not Darius <laughs> Hunter. But, yeah, DeAndre Hunter, he went off in the championship game. Oh, yeah. And that he definitely helped raise his stock. Career. That definitely helped raise his stock. So, I mean, it's really just interesting. I just, you know, I don't think I would trade anybody right now. I think it's all just hypothetical. I would trade maybe future picks if you really feel like there's a guy you want. You know, if you're high on Cam Reddish, if you're the Pacers, you feel like Cam Reddish is a – uh, an elite level talent that might slide eight or 10 because we've seen that happen in some mock mm-hmm. drafts where he is sliding and you know, you're not going to be able to go out there and get a big name free agent that you want. Do you invest in a trade to go up and get somebody? That's what it's going to take. I just don't know if it'll happen. I have one more. I, first of all, I think that Cam Reddish is going to be a much better pro than he was in college. I do think that that guy has a boatload of potential. I would love if there was a way for the Pacers to get him, but I do have one other trade situation. Okay. Oklahoma Oklahoma City. They are they are looking for some cap relief. They had the twenty first overall pick and they have not been secretive about trying to shop that pick. Now two contracts that are coming off the books after next year are Andre Roberson for ten million dollars, who missed all of last year, good defensive player, but it's been a long time since he's played basketball. Um, and then there's also Patrick Patterson, five and a half million. If they were to attach Andre Roberson with the 21st pick, is that enough for you to, to, to be interested, or is that $10 million just way too scary? Because I'm telling you right now, if it's Patrick Patterson and the 21st, I'm in. For what? Well, for, for cap relief. I mean, we would have to just kind of just – Oh, just, just throw, to absorb their contract? Yeah, exactly. We, okay. we would throw back probably two second-round picks, You know, one being, I don't know, maybe if it's this year, and then a future second-round pick. I mean, I think that's interesting to get back in there at 21. I like that idea. Um, I, I know like at first I thought you were going to go down the route to need a shooter, so give McDermott. I'm like, they already went down that route, so oh, I don't think they want no, McDermott. No. Okay. They do not. Yeah, I mean, they might even be interested in Sumner, to be honest with you. Which uh, I know. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to give up on Sumner yet, but, I mean, if you give up Sumner maybe in a second-round pick for the 21st, I mean, it just depends on what the Pacers want, right? So we've made deals with them. And we've robbed them of the deal before. So I don't know if they want to do business with us again, right, Fotch? <laughs> they might. They might not want to. And and I do like what we did get from them because they clearly uh, undersold on Sabonis, obviously Oladipo. But uh, I just think, honestly, I'm I'm Edmund Sumner over the 21st pick in this draft. I, I think if you give him more playing time, I, I do think that uh, Sumner is ready to produce next year. If you give him. Extended minutes, why can't he give us 8 to 10 points per game? Yeah, it's interesting. I'd like to see it. I think Sumner's a good player. I just It just depends on who is in the draft there. Because like of we course. said, we don't know who's going to fall. So, yeah, if you're like, wow, there's a guy we really like at 21. He's in our top 10. He's in our top 15. We were debating between him and the guy we drafted at 18. He's still on the board. Now we can have both these players. We don't have to really give up too much. You know, we we got to take in a Roberson or a Patterson to give them cap relief. I think you got to consider it. But at the same time, the Pacers, I don't think will do that because I don't think they want to hinder themselves in free agency to get what they want. And so it would have to probably be something where they get rid of McDermott or a Leaf in, in, in addition to that. So maybe they can give up Leaf and a second-round pick for maybe the contract of Andre Roberson just to kind of, in, you know, help soften the what they're getting back without having to take so much in so it's it's interesting i like that thought process it's a good question so uh other than that did you have anything else you wanted to throw out there real quick before we get off here no i'm just saying hey guys you know make sure you're holding on to something because these trade rumors are going to be swirling in it's about to get windy out here and i'm all for it all right all right so let's let me just ask you this just to kind of wrap this up and put a nice pretty bow on top of our whole entire draft conversation with the 18th pick in the 2019 nba draft the indiana pacers select kevin porter jr (laughs) all right there you guys have it uh bobby marks jr over here dropping some (laughs) knowledge for us and if it were me oh man i think realistically who are they going to get Oh, man, i got to think about this. I'm going to say Grant Williams. I think that's a realistic pick they take at 18. I think he's going to fall. I think that P.J. Washington's going to go above. I think Romeo's going to go above. I think Grant Williams will be sitting there at 17, and he'll be passed, and 18 will become Grant Williams on the Pacers. So I'm going to pick Grant Williams. You're going to go with your boy. I'm going 
Kevin Porter Jr., uh, just because, as you mentioned, I do not think that P.J. Washington or Romeo Langford will be there. And it will ultimately end up being Ruby Hachimura. So, all right, oh. Pacer fans. We are done here with another episode of Setting the Pace. You can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3, and you can find us on Instagram at Setting underscore the underscore pace. You can follow my man Mike Focci on Twitter at where? At underscore Focci, F-A-C-C-I. And you can follow me at Alex Golden NBA. And, of course, our other co-host who couldn't join us once again was our man Tyler Smith. He had like four games I think he had to coach today, so – Shout out to Tyler. Also got the head coaching job of the the is it the high school girls? Uh, is it junior varsity or varsity? I can't remember, but he's I believe it's varsity. Yeah, varsity high school girls school out in Crawfordsville, Indiana. So congratulations to the coach and the insider Tyler Smith. We always miss it when he's not here with us, but we want to give him a shout out. All the great work he does. You can find him on Twitter at Tyler Smith underscore ISL. And if you have any questions, hit us up. We'll try to get back before draft night. And we'll do a post-draft podcast as well. So until then, Pacer fans, we'll talk to you all later. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.